Welcome to Content Pros Podcast, where we unlock the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world and ask the questions you've always wanted asked. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, helping you decrease your time spent creating content by up to 50% while doubling your online engagement. Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. And by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create, manage, and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. Now, here are your hosts, Jeffrey L. Cohen, Director of Content Strategy at Oracle Marketing Cloud, and from Uberflip, Randy Frisch. Ready? Let's talk to the pros. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. This is Jeff Cohen from the Oracle Marketing Cloud, and I'm recording live at the Marketing Profs B2B Forum here in Boston, Massachusetts. And I am here today with Matt Grant. Matt is the Director of Content Strategy from the Aberdeen Group. Welcome to the show, Matt. Oh, thanks a lot, Jeff. And um, I was wondering, you call it content prose because you don't believe in content poetry? Uh, content prose does not have an E oh, on the shoot, end. Oh, shoot, shoot. Sorry, so I, missed, it, I missed that. It's short for professional. <laughs> oh, right, right. So if I you, am a content professional, as a matter of fact. You are a content professional, but if you're going to talk about content poetry, <laughs> content poetry, then I think that might be a different show. That's not part of the... Convince and Convert Podcast yeah, Network. No, though it is, so I will say this. Let me just say this about that. Um, there was a time when I was trying to do, you know when people were just trying to do videos and not very professionally as part of what they were doing as their content efforts? I did write a rap once that I, it was called It's All About Fit that I did for this company, Aquent, I worked for. So, um, And I don't know, some people don't see rap as poetry. I personally see it as poetry. Can can you show us? A, can you share a few lines? Do you remember any of it? I do. Um, this is. Do you the, need a beat? No, 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 yeah, if you can spit a beat, I, I can. I can spit rhymes right off the dome. But uh, yeah, it was like everybody's talking about skills, mad skills. But you got to have skills to pay the bills. But if I can be frank, if I have your permission, I think that skills are just the price of admission. Etc. Etc. And it goes and on it, from there. It goes on from there. Actually, the funny thing about this, the video that we we did it was, so I recorded the song like in GarageBand, like we're doing here, and then we videotaped like you make a video, music video, like lip syncing, right? But I intentionally didn't sing along <laughs> with what I was doing, so I would start talking or just just, to, and then occasionally I would sync up with the song. So, but people would be like. Matt, it's not synced up. Like, and I was like, the song's called It's All About Fit, man. I'm trying to get you to think about it. There's levels here. <laughs> so anyway, but we won't talk about it. That's all we're going to say about content, prose, or poetry. We're now talking about content professionals and being a content pro because that's what this is that's about. That's right, although I, I do have to acknowledge I'm pretty sure you are the first guest on content prose to rap, I, we may need to we may need to scour the archives and make sure that that is a true statement. Yeah, no, and those those weren't even my most fire bars. Oh, okay, you're you're speaking in a language that is well beyond my pay grade. 
<laughs> but anyway. Anyway, so here we are, Content Pros. Yes, I work for the Aberdeen Group. And I think what's interesting, and I'll say it right out at the outset, um, so I'm not in the marketing department there. And so I don't do content marketing for Aberdeen, um, though I have done content marketing in other roles. But Aberdeen, as part of its business, is it sells content. So just when we talk about content pro, that's the angle I'm coming at it from. Actually selling the content you're producing rather than using content to sell something else. So so let's dig into that a little bit. Because we do live in a marketing world where content is free. And so so you're talking about a business model that relies on... Selling content. So let, yes. I guess let's just start. What, is, what does that look like? What do those right. products look like, et cetera? Okay, fair enough. So, so the idea is like the raison d'etre, if I may, <laughs> for the business is that as a lot of content marketers out there will tell you, um, they, have, they struggle producing content. And also, as it turns out, content that comes from third parties tends to be uh, more trusted than content that you produce yourself. So it's these two things, that people have a hard time producing content themselves and that third-party content has a value. So that's where the business angle for Aberdeen comes from. So, But though, interestingly enough, and this is kind of the real twist on this, most of Aberdeen content for consumption is absolutely free. Um, we have, you can go to Aberdeen.com and if you register, you have access to all our content. Mm-hmm. And so it is kind of, a, it creates a funny model where we're trying to sell things. So the, the model there says, if you come, let's say you're doing a research on, you know, automation with supply chain management or something like that. And it turns out we have research about it. You can come and read it. Now, if you want to use it in your marketing, you can cite it. So we do have citation guidelines, so that can show up in your, you know, you can use cite a chart or whatever. Um, or if you think that it's going to be valuable for demand gen or lead generation or something like that, you can lease it from us. So that's, so that's part of the model, mm-hmm. the, the lowest level, really. Off-the-shelf content that is freely accessible to anybody. Well, so let me just jump in. Go for it. So, so what you're saying is that's actually not that different than what many other content marketers do, they're creating content essentially to drive demand. Right. And and in your case, or in this case that you're talking about, this is demand of actually licensing or leasing, as you said, the content that you just actually read. Right. So in other words, you just want to be able to use it for your own marketing. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, which is, I mean, on that front, it's not maybe even different from Shutterstock or Getty Images or something exactly. like that. You know, exactly. here, you can browse our content all you want. If you right. want to actually use it and try to make money yourself with it, now you've got to pay us something. Right, and and using that analogy, yeah, there are two different ways to look at that. You have a, you have kind of a, an editorial version and a commercial version, like right. with Shutterstock, you li- you have multiple licenses, right? Exactly. So in, do you have something similar? I think we do. That's a good question, and I should actually <laughs> know our sell sheet on that front a little better. We do have different licensing arrangements, yeah. particularly though. I think more about time, okay? Like how long you can license this and stuff like right. that. So there is another. So that's part of our model, and in fact. We do have another way you can have access to that content is through like a curation license. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we have, I don't know, like 13 different channels that we put research into. And you can 
buy a license to curate from the channel. So right. anything in the channel you can use, and your year-long license mm-hmm. like covers all that stuff. So at least I know that much <laughs> about the business. Um, the other thing, though, and a lot of the money that we make, as you might imagine, um, on the content side of the business actually comes from doing made-to-order content. Mm-hmm. So companies will hire us to... Sometimes they will actually sponsor a survey because all right. of our. So, just to take a step back, one of the reasons that can people, you take two? <laughs> I've got to take one <laughs> forward first. Okay. I think. Okay. Um, so, so we um, our content. What just one differentiator of our content is that it's all it's survey based. Mm-hmm. So we okay. actually have cultivated fairly large communities in different um, segments. And we survey uh, these these communities, and then that becomes the basis for our research. So it's right. it's funny. I know we talk about. I think in our own marketing, it's fact based. It's survey based mm-hmm. for sure. People right. told us these things, and then you know we have a methodology about looking at the data and kind of how we talk about things. So sometimes companies will sponsor the survey. So that would be like the most full-blown made-to-order package. People right. know the surveys. You know, if you've ever worked with PR, PR loves it if you run surveys mm-hmm. and stuff like that. This is something, you can, great shareable content. So people can survey, pay us to do a survey for them and then write reports off that. Usually what happens instead is we're, we actually run the survey ourselves usually actually talking to vendors about mm-hmm. kind of what they're interested in. They don't sponsor it. We don't tell them we're going to, you know, say anything in particular. But we just are curious because, of course, we want people to buy this content later. Right. So we want to make sure that we're actually surveying the market about things that's of interest to potential buyers mm-hmm. for our stuff. So we run a survey, and then what we can do, we can create off-the-shelf content for it or... We go back to those vendors who we were talking to as part of the survey creation process and say, hey, look, we found some pretty interesting things. Would you like us to write something on your behalf? Or mm-hmm. we could do a webinar or whatever. And so what happens with the made-to-order content, it similarly has a, um, a licensing shelf life. Mm-hmm. So companies can license it for three months or six months where they can use it exclusively. But then after that, it ends up going into our library and we could sell it again. Or I was talking to someone today. They said at least one of our reports, I guess, had sold four times <laughs> because it was talking about right. something that would, enough people found value in it. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. And so I, I, I was joking a little bit when I said taking two steps back, but... What I wanted to do—you really is, wanted me to take two steps. I, I actually did. I, <laughs> I actually wanted a little bit of context oh. uh, to the industry that you're talking about. I think sure. it's primarily technology, is right, that right? Right. So, I mean, the big. So, Aberdeen has a stated methodology where most of our surveys look at what are the pressures people are feeling, whether they're marketers or supply chain managers or people in charge of financial operations or people doing analytics and business intelligence or whatever. And so we look at what are the pressures you're facing nowadays? 
what are the things you're doing, um, like specific tactical things, what are the things your uh, organization is capable of, so what are your capabilities as opposed to your actual tactics, and then what are your enablers, specifically our technology enablers is the way they talk about it. So in short, on the content side of our business, we're really looking at how companies use technology to accomplish certain things. Right. So if they're using marketing automation or some CRM platform or, like I said, cloud-based APAR solutions or talent management solutions or whatever. Um, so that's ultimately those tend to be our vendors, the people who buy mm-hmm. from us. or people selling kinds of technology. And in general, I think what they like about our content is so one thing that we do with our content is we, or our surveys, is we survey everybody. And then we do ask certain uh, business like performance things, like what's your year-over-year revenue growth, or what's your customer retention rate, or what's your gross margin per customer, or, mm-hmm. but also sometimes like what's your error rate you know, for audits or something that's very, you know, or I don't even know supply chain management. I don't know as well as I probably should. But so we will ask things that are really key performance indicators that separate top performers from low performers. Right. And then what we'll do is we'll take the, you know, all the survey respondents, we'll look at how what everyone said, so it's self-reported on that front, um, what everyone said about how they performed according, you know, against these different KPIs, and then we'll create a best in class. Mm-hmm. So we'll do a slice that says, okay, let's say let's take the top twenty percent based on these performance metrics, and then see how they fall out in these different categories we've looked at. And so even today here at Marketing Profs, I was with one of our analysts, and we were talking about he was looking at companies who actually align content to the buyer's journey, mm-hmm. and do they outperform companies that don't, right? Great question. It's a great, great question, question, yeah. right? And as it turned out, now it turned out about 33% of the survey pool did that. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing was, when you looked at, I mean, we were looking at um, just marketing qualified leads and sale qualified leads and things like that, but we were also looking at cost per lead, mm-hmm. um, overall customer acquisition costs, year-over-year company revenue growth. And the people who were doing this uh, alignment of content to the buyer's journey did, as a term, just by doing that slice, it did highlight that these people are doing something different and better. And the interesting thing was, especially like we had this one stat, that the cost per lead, it was not the case that all the best in class were doing this. Mm -hmm. So that's something worth noting. And in fact, it showed that we had one chart that Andrew produced that showed that the people, the best in class, um, had actually a higher cost per lead than the subgroup of people who were aligning customers or content of the buyer's journey and stuff like that. So, long story short, we produce content like this, and anyone selling a you know a customer journey management solution or something like that say, oh, this is great. This is something I want to show my customers. Now, again, from a strictly statistical standpoint, it's going to be correlation far more than causation. <laughs> right. But a lot of times what's interesting is these patterns of correlation of how well the, the best in class outperformed people in, along different categories. Though it's also interesting to me, I was talking to someone else about this today, there are some cases where you look and in fact the best in class and everyone else are doing about the same. Right. <laughs> so it's not always the case that the best in class is kicking everyone's ass. 
Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Clear Voice. Need a freelance writer? Clear Voice Marketplace can help you. Looking for trending topics or influencers? No problem. Clear Voice Content Studio is the answer for that one. Looking to store all your brand guidelines, keywords, and personas in one accessible space? That's right, Clear Voice can do that too. Even pay all your writers from one secure account. Go to demo.clearvoice.com for a free demo and tell them your friends at Content Pros Podcast sent you. Well, so it, it's it, there are a couple things that are kind of jumping out at me just from the way people approach content. Yeah. And like you said, people like third-party content. It's it's outside justification of what they're probably going to do anyway. But they, especially if they come to you and say, oh, we want a survey, we want to create some content that proves our point, right. or we want to get some detail there. And then there's also the, the piece of you're putting out statistics. And I know that when... When we create content, we almost always try to hang whatever point we're making on some sort of statistic. Right. And, and I know what we, what we always do is we, we, of course, source where it came from. We try to link back to an original report, et cetera, or a blog post, yep. press release. But nobody really thinks about it much further than that. In other words, you could write a blog post that are, you know, essentially... 20 marketing stats of whatever and you go find them from a bunch of analyst companies a bunch of blog posts and you link to the source and nobody really cares in other words you mean about the quality of the source or right the quality of the source the methodology as you said a lot of this is correlation not causation right um and I'm not sure where the question is in here. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm just sort of talking through this idea, looking yeah. for the question. But it, it's, it's kind of like the question is, you were in a place where you have analysts, you do surveys, you create stuff that you offer, yep. you have a business model that you do custom stuff. Kind of, it's a pretty sweet spot from the place that vendors are approaching content. In other words, we all want data. We all want surveys to help us sell what we're trying to sell. That's and right. And it's so right. So, I mean, we're doing okay. (laughs) I mean, I think we've like certainly one of the, we do run into issues like scalability issues with the custom content. So that becomes just from a business standpoint, are we, I think we would like to be able to just sell curation like just produce off the shelf content and actually sell that a bunch of times. So there are interesting things with the business model. I've been with the company a little over a year and like, for example, like I said, we offer the content for free to, for perusal. Um, it wasn't always the case. We, right. Prior several years ago, we actually, it was like 300 bucks if mm-hmm. you want to look at a report. And one of the things that we are struggling with is perceived value. Right. So there's no problem with perceived value of a made-to-order report. There's a custom thing. No one else has it. And it exactly, it has stuff in it that is a value to us. Right. I think one of the things we have to sell against is what's the perceived value of something that's actually free? Mm-hmm. You know, anyone, in fact, frankly, someone could write a blog post 
and say, these, you know, here's all these great stats about using solution X for problem Y. Just go over to Aberdeen and check it out if you want. Um, <laughs> you know, and not pay us anything right. for it, and still have it serve the same purpose for them potentially, or put together blog posts that pointed to five different Aberdeen reports or something like that. I go, I'm not trying to give people ideas, <laughs> but I'm, don't do that. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, but strictly speaking, right. I mean, I'm never a person to say don't do that. I mean, unless it's against the law or immoral. <laughs> but I do think this is something. It's like it's one of those things of. It certainly wouldn't be illegal, and as long as we were following our citation guidelines. Right. In fact, it might even be good for us. You yeah. know, that's we want people to be talking about our research because that actually helps us. So there's right. not all downside to doing this. Right. Um, but shoot, oh, there was an interesting thing I wanted to say. So one of the things we do, so with the curation product, one of the things we add in there is some things that we're calling illuminators, but they're just like basically one-off stats. Mm-hmm. You know, sixty. You know, best-in-class companies are 88% more likely to do X, Y, Z. And that's one of the things that we're struggling with in terms of what people want to buy when it comes to content. Now, certainly people would be interested as long as you could, and we're working on this, if, it, if there was an easy way to browse and find stats, mm-hmm. then that is, people would pay. That's, that is content. That statistics right. are real content that, that's artisanal. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like <laughs> handcrafted. handcrafted content. By the, only the top analysts. <laughs> exactly. The best in class the best analysts. In class analysts. So, right. So, this, I mean, that is stuff that is valuable to people. So, again, we don't have to, and this is what we're working through in terms of changing business models, but particularly new products. Mm-hmm. Could people would people just buy the stats in some right. way? We don't sell our full data set mm-hmm. from that we got back from the survey. So there's, there's a curation happening there, but we're selling you know 100 data points or something or 10 or whatever we could. So that would be, that's one model. And in fact, when our curator clients actually have access to this stuff, um, another thing that we are hearing a lot more about is. I mean, we still are writing essentially white papers, right? Twelve to fifteen page papers with you know five charts and all this stuff, and you still have to read through it. We do have a lot of smaller infographics we can do for clients. Um, also, we like one pager type things um, that are very stat heavy. Five reasons why you might want to consider X, and you show the best in class performance. Um, but one of the things we're trying to figure out is like video content, for example. Would there be a way of, and we do actually do this, 30-second video, 20-second video that has three stats and tells a really quick story. Mm-hmm. Our clients, when we, they see them, they really like those. They look better. And like some of our stuff, I mean, we're also working on people's expectations about what this content looks like. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, forget about what's written. Is it like, does it fit our brand standards? I mean... So and it's it's an interesting challenge on that front because with the the research analyst world, the big challenge is credibility. Right. Right. And are you saying just what the com- this company who sponsored you or is selling this wants you to say? Mm-hmm. Or are you saying what you really believe as analysts and it just happens to support their story? Um, and so one of the things it's kind of funny, like I feel like our stuff, it doesn't look super old-fashioned, but it looks a little old-fashioned to me. But I almost, I can almost spin it as a positive 
because it doesn't look slick or right. fancy. And I mean, we were working with a very large um, software company that works in the creative space, mm-hmm. and they were like, you know, production values and the way things look are very important to us. It's very important to our brand. Is there something we could do with your stuff? And we've been we push back on that because the closer it looks to their stuff, the more it starts feeling like. I mean, we're not we're not an ad agency producing a right. nice report for you. We're supposed to be researchers who are actually doing research and then saying what we think the truth is. Yeah. So what, the truth is out there. The truth, I, I'm sure it is out there, and we are trying to discover it through correlated studies. I think. So, if I'm a content marketer, which I guess I am, I know you famously. <laughs> yes, con- I am a, a B2B con- content. Marketer. I am a content pro, as it were. Yes. Are Are there some lessons that I can learn? Like I'll, I'll 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 give you a couple options. Fair enough. So so you can sort of think this through. Are are there some are there some research lessons that someone can learn? Because I I think what you're what I'm hearing you describe is what I'd call well-informed content. In other mm-hmm. words, you're not necessarily just saying we're going to ask people a bunch of stuff and then we're just going to put it out there. In other words, we understand our market, we understand our audience, right. we know who we're talking to. So we're really going to create content, in your case through surveys, but obviously lots of us create content other ways, but we're going to create content that we think is really going to resonate with our, with our audience. And so how do, you, how do you think about that kind of... I said I was going to ask you a couple ideas, but that one <laughs> sounded pretty good, so I'll stop and, and let you answer that one. I also see you nodding, so I think yeah. you... Well, I'm also trying to figure out exactly what you're asking, in a sense. Um, so... so in, I so, can clarify. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. You might need to clarify. Okay, so... So, a content marketer, if you could give them some advice of how to create what I called well-informed content, in in other words, the prep that goes into before just creating another white paper or another ebook or an infographic with a bunch of stats in it. Yeah. So this, okay, so it's kind of interesting in part um, because it comes back to my, so our talk today was like, how do you know what your buyers are thinking? And one of the things I was trying to point out is that people, I don't know if this point really resonated, but I was saying that we create a buyer's journey model, and then we create content that fits different stages of the buyer's journey. And then, in a sense, we send, it, we send the content out to find people. We don't, we don't always, and I guess best practices may allow people to do this, we don't always get that content in front of people when they're at a particular stage of the buyer's journey. Right. Instead, we use the content to find out where they are on the buyer's journey. Mm-hmm. So we say, oh, I've just created, because I worked on this for years ago, I worked on this thing for Novell Software. We created a blog called Log Management Central, and it was all about log management. Every single article we were putting out, several articles a day, both, as my friend Frank Days used to say, both cheeseburger and filet mignon content. <laughs> and, um, but the main CTA there was a log management buying guide mm-hmm. that had, here's the 10 categories of things you need to look for in this tool, and then here's actually a handy-dandy spreadsheet 
already populate, pre-populated with Novell's tool, right. and you can then fill in the blanks on the other one to see how things match up. Mm-hmm. So that's a classic late-stage content. Yes. Wow, if someone's looking at this, they must already have some ideas of what they're doing and stuff like that. Literally, we have no idea. <laughs> and, and, you know, that person could have... There, there are a lot of reasons someone could have been downloading that. But the thing was, we don't get that in front of people because we don't actually... There's a, we have an addressable market of, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 more people, you know? And we can't know where everyone is. So actually, we use... Um, Doug Kessler was just talking about this. He said he used a sonar metaphor. You're sending out a ping, <laughs> and if you get a ping back, then you realize there's a connection there. Absolutely. So we have this content out there, someone engaged with it. Now we guess, oh, I hope this means they're in this stage of the buyer's journey. But it's all guessing. Um, and sometimes if you get it, and I, to be fair, if you're able to do it enough, mm-hmm. and now you have 10,000 people have done this, and X number became customers, and you can start saying, okay, this is a reasonable assumption right. and not just a guess. But, um, but what I was saying, like my main point with uh, the talk today was, you know, why are you guessing what your buyers are thinking? Why don't you literally ask them? <laughs> because also we had this crazy stat that Andrew had introduced, which was, 46% of marketers do not have direct interactions with customers. <laughs> so, I mean, I was literally able to say, okay, over this, there's like 100 plus people in this room. 40, at least 46 of you don't talk to customers. Mm-hmm. So when I tell you, even though I feel foolish <laughs> telling you to talk to customers, that's actually 46 of you <laughs> really should heed my call. Right. So back to your story or your question. My it story, felt, it felt like a story. <laughs> right. Yes, it was a question somewhere in there. Right, which was, so, so here's the thing. Like I do think, like as I said, when we're putting together our surveys, um, we now, certainly our analysts have opinions about things and they have ideas about how things work, especially if they've worked in a certain space, they've seen trends, they've seen things that evolve over time. So they have a sense of, and they've produced reports, and they've gotten feedback, and right. people like them or bought them. So we, so we're able to go on that. Like, are we asking the right questions and creating the right kind of data from our survey? Well, survey says <laughs> that was dumb too. But um, the the fact that people are actually interacting with it and paying us mm-hmm. for it is one strong indicator of value. <laughs> um, so, but the interesting thing is, like I said, we do consult with vendors to make sure, like, what are you seeing in the space? And again, because we want to sell to them, we want to make sure we're asking questions that mm-hmm. maybe, if especially the answer goes in their favor, they're going to be very inclined to want to engage with us. So that is one lesson I do have to say. Like, it's just a general content lesson, which is asking people what they want is going to be, and then even if you're going to do a survey, survey them or whatever. But if you're going to create content that people are going to find valuable, mm-hmm. it's pretty important to find out in advance what people find valuable. And I mean, you could, there's lots of other ways to do it. You can see other successful content campaigns or stuff that a lot of people are sharing and you can copy them or do something similar. But that would be, that's my one lesson. Okay. Yeah. No. That I I agree completely. That's a that's a great suggestion. I've I've advocated to people yeah. for years the same thing. Yeah. Actually, go out and ask customers, prospects, what they're interested in, where the, where they consume content, what's yeah, yeah. content they've enjoyed. Exactly. Yeah. So, right. but it's interesting too. Though this was one of the things 
like I was also talking about today in my talk, I think it's important, ideally, when you're talking to customers about this stuff, like, again, like we say, well, what content have you, you can talk about those specific things. I was kind of advocating more of an oblique mm-hmm. method. And, oh, right. right. So, because I was talking about when I worked at the staffing company, Aquent, like we would talk to um, like heads of uh, in house agencies because they were big buyer. We, Aquent really sells to enterprise clients, mm-hmm. Fortune 500, whatever, mm-hmm. Fortune 100. And companies who have large internal creative services agencies because they have a steady need for talent and it's hard to get freelancers and they're just it's easier as long time they have to work with vendor management system approve a vendor the whole nine yards and so we would do that um so i would talk to these you know for creating content for aquin i would talk to heads of in-house agencies I wouldn't talk to them about staffing vendors. Right. <laughs> like, how do you evaluate a staffing vendor? What's right. the five things you look for in a staffing partner? Like, instead, I would talk to them about how do you create a strong team, mm-hmm. you know, and how do you maintain a strong team over time? Um, how do you maintain a team that is part full-time staff, part freelancers? What kinds of things do you find actually are better freelance type? Like, a lot of times people won't have a full-time video person. They'll mm-hmm. have a part-time video person. Like what's or an animator or an illustrator? These are classic creative jobs that are. It's better to pay by the piece than to pay right. by the person. Right. Um, so again, that's just a strong advocate of when you're talking to customers. Don't act, like you really want them to say, "Hey, if you publish this thing about this in this place, I'll read it." <laughs> now right. that'd be great. <laughs> right, but but you're actually trying to understand what their business problems right. are. Exactly, because the 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 best content marketing actually provides value to right. them by helping solve yeah. their business problems right. rather than position you as the vendor with the solution. Right. Exactly. You're trying to become a trusted partner. Right. So and this on the trusted partner front, I'll just tell one other story from my Aquent days. Um, because I was putting a one of the things that we were trying to push there was um, speaking engagements as a form of content marketing. Like the idea was it was very hard to get the company to want to spend money exhibiting at a conference, but they would be very excited if we were speaking at a conference, <laughs> you know, and we found too that then people running conferences really love it. If you can bring customers to the mm-hmm. table. Right. And then, so like there was one case I was able to get the person who ran uh, senior user experience, VP of user experience at Wells Fargo, and this creative director from Capital One to come to this digital banking conference. And it was, you know, it, w- it ended up being a good thing for us. We weren't exhibiting there. It didn't mm-hmm. cost us all we had to, it didn't cost us anything except flying the people out there. And it was, you know, packed room. We got the list, everything. It was what you want <laughs> from a content marketing experience. Um, but interestingly, so I was partnering with sales to figure out not just, A, do you have you know, clients you think would talk with us on stage, but also, do you have clients who, would actually, who might be interested in actually having events at in-house events? You know, I mean, just literally a month ago, I did an in-house event as part of Aberdeen, um, talking to a digital marketing team within part of IBM about customer experience. And it was, I think of it as content marketing we were coming in there we weren't selling we're just talking about something you know people are saying well they hadn't heard about it or thought about it that way or whatever so I got my props but so it's interesting like when you think about content marketing like so there was a guy who he was running the in-house agency at Cigna 
which I didn't know. Cigna is like the first publicly traded insurance company in the United States. It's like one of the oldest insurance hmm. companies in America. But anyway, <laughs> so um, so the interesting thing, like for them, what they wanted was someone to come in. So you think about content. What kind of content are you looking for? What they, the content they wanted was someone to talk about content strategy to their in-house agency. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, we don't think about that. You know, that is a kind of content piece to create. We're thinking about, oh, we're going to put something on SlideShare, or we're going to make these videos, or whatever. And not like, the content that would really matter to me as a person running this agency is if you could come in and teach my team how to do X. And we did that also with other things, with web design stuff and things like that. And it was an effective way to be a trusted partner. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. A, and a lot of times too, this for especially if you're in a business that has long sales cycles or the sales lulls. Like mm-hmm. staffing is a classic one where hey, we got a hiring freeze this quarter, so now they right. can't do anything for another two three months. But you still have to be talking to them, and they and it's not about posting things on you know cmo.com or something it's about trying to figure out a way of using content to actually develop deepen the relationship you have with the people there yeah that, those are those are some great examples because as we know yes content is is so much more yeah. than just what we think of as traditional top of funnel blogs ebooks white yeah. papers etc so yeah. so many more examples right. um but yes, Matt, thank you so much oh, for your sure. time today. And this is another example, not another example, another episode, <laughs> another episode. I, I'm still thinking about Matt rapping, and I'm trying to decide if I should ask him to do some more, like rap us out. But I think I'm going to hold off. <laughs> I don't want to embarrass either one of us. <laughs> okay. Well, I, and I never did drop my beat, and which is definitely something we do not want to hear. But this was another nice. episode of Content Pros. You can find this episode and other episodes at contentprospodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, all those great places where you can find a podcast. Leave a review. It lets other people find out about us. Let us know what things you want to hear about here on Content Pros, future episodes. We are a proud member of the Convince and Convert Podcast Network. And that is it for this show. So we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Clear Voice Content Marketing Software, Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip, and is produced by Convince and Convert Media. Find more great shows like Content Pros at marketingpodcast.com the first search engine for marketing podcasts. Podcast imaging by...